You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, I'm Katherine Griffiths. And I'm Stefania Romeo, and you're listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today, we're talking to Anastasia Girali, a certified clinical hypnotherapist with a wealth of knowledge on the subconscious mind and how we can often be held back by it. She uses a method called rapid transformation therapy developed by Marissa Peer to help her clients heal from traumas, overcome addictions and bad habits, and so much more. Anastasia is passionate about helping people heal from past pain and trauma and reprogram their mind to thrive. This is something that we talk about a lot in the conversation, reprogramming of the mind and of the subconscious. She teaches the tools to help people heal themselves and to free from beliefs that don't serve them. She shares her very moving and vulnerable story of how a rock bottom led her into this work and this life. And it's a story that I think will connect with a lot of us. It really connected with us. Yeah, I love this conversation because I am fascinated by the subconscious mind. I started becoming aware of how much it controls our lives. It actually controls 95% of our behaviors. Yeah. When I first moved here to Australia because I heard that hypnotherapy could be really good for anxiety. And I know that I've talked about this before. So I went to see a hypnotherapist and she was talking to me about the subconscious mind and how there's all these things that I was programmed with, or I may have been programmed with in my childhood that are causing my behavior to show up in the way that it was at the time. So we did some hypnotherapy sessions and I really had some great results and I continue to do it. It makes so much sense. I remember when I first started seeing my therapist who now I've seen for 10 years plus, but she asked me to write down my dreams. And I asked her one day, you know, why are you asking me to write down my dreams? Like, why is this so important? And she's shared with me that it's because that's when your subconscious is really at play. So I'm a big believer in therapy, and but that's more of the conscious. It's like you're talking about what's happening consciously and what you're consciously aware of. And whether it's hypnotherapy or analyzing your dreams, like that's how you can really get into what's really going on in your subconscious mind. And for a long time, I did dream journaling religiously because I think that you can also see patterns of your subconscious Mm -hmm. when you do that. And also, I think it tells us why we do have certain limiting beliefs around some things and not others. I always think about the subconscious programming from childhood determines what limiting beliefs you may have or not have. But I think about it a lot with money and finances because regardless of what was going on in my home and in my family situation, there was always an abundance mindset about money. And we always spent for what we wanted and we always had an abundance mindset. And I'm really grateful for that because while I definitely have limiting beliefs in other areas, I definitely have an abundance mindset when it comes to money and finances. And by learning about the subconscious mind and the fact that that's one of the biggest things that people have limiting beliefs around, I've been able to reflect around that a lot. And then also there's a lot of things on the other side that I do have limiting beliefs around, but that's the one that I always think about. That's interesting because I had the opposite. Well, it's interesting because my parents are 
divorced, so they weren't living together. So I was living with my mom and she didn't have an abundance mindset whatsoever. Hers was very scarce. Like, well, we can't spend on this or this is too expensive. Or if we do this and I'm not going to have enough money and all this kind of stuff, even though she probably did have enough. I don't, yeah. I don't even know, but I'm sure she did and it was fine. Whereas my dad had a very abundance mindset. So I kind of grew up seeing both sides of it. Yeah. So I think I'm a little bit more in the middle, but And like, yeah, I think it's interesting to know what your self-limiting beliefs are. And when I started learning more about this, I could actually see where some of those self-limiting beliefs were coming from, Mm -hmm. like especially because I was living with my mom more, I was being absorbed by the things that she would believe and the things that she would think. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to her now, I'm like, oh, okay, (laughs) this makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) You know, not that it's anyone, it's not her fault or by any means or anyone's fault, really. It's just, that's what she was doing and being the best that she could. Yeah. And I think it doesn't only have to be with our parents. So, you know, there's so many ways. Yeah. And there's so many ways to get into the subconscious mind, whether it's through hypnotherapy or guided hypnosis. There's some hypnosis exercises that I do on my own. And one of the things that I think that I have dealt with through my life and career that I think is very common for women, especially, but really for anyone is imposter syndrome. And one of the things that had come up for me when I was doing one of the exercises around kind of digging in and and figuring that out was this memory that I had from childhood where I cheated on a test or saw the answer in advance and did very well on that and was praised for it and carried shame around the fact that I had done that. And it created this programming in my mind that I was able to kind of unravel through doing some work that it was kind of this belief around you have to fool them to win or you have to fool them Mm -hmm. to be great. And I think that just these little tiny memories can really actually have a big impact on the way that you see yourself later on. So it's so helpful to dig into where that comes from because sometimes it's not the obvious. It's not. It it takes me a while because I do some exercises on my own as well. And before you go into the hypnosis, you do a journaling exercise. So in it'll often ask like, well, can you remember the first time you felt this way? And I could never remember anything. Yeah. But it comes up later on. Uh-huh. Like it doesn't even come up in the hypnosis. It comes up later, like randomly. I'll just have this childhood memory that will connect or I'll have a really vivid dream about something that's so vivid. And I remember every single detail and it's something with my childhood and it brings up those same feelings. Yeah. And then I am like, oh, that's what that is. And and that's what I have to address. Mm-hmm. The other thing about dreams, you were talking about dreams earlier, is when you have a recurring dream, that is something to really pay attention to. I remember yeah. Ben Mackinnon, we had him on the podcast earlier on. He's a dream expert and he was talking about that. He said, if you have a recurring dream, that is something to pay attention to because that's your subconscious mind trying to tell you something. Yeah. So a lot to think about. Let's get into this conversation with Anastasia. So in this conversation with Anastasia, we talk about her story, her rock bottom, what it looked like and how she got herself out. We talk about the signs to look out for if your subconscious mind might be holding you back, how to know what your unconscious desires are and why it's important to our growth. Oh, she says something so amazing about how to know what you're manifesting subconsciously by looking around at your life. I won't give it away, but it was one of my favorite parts of the episode. She talks about balancing the masculine and feminine energy, which was really great to get her perspective on this, especially as it relates to the subconscious mind. And she talks about it in the context of living in more flow. And she also talks about the three archetypes to look out for to identify how being unbalanced in your masculine and feminine might be showing up for you because it's different for everyone. Like you could be underrepresented in your masculine or overrepresented in your masculine. And she gives you a little bit of a guide to see where you fall. All right, let's get into it.
Can you share your story and how you got into this work with a subconscious mind? Um, I think you have a really interesting and relatable story and kind of hitting one of those rock bottoms to get there. So we'd love to hear about that. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I, I can't say it's a very unique story. I think everyone that I work with and a lot of people that I've spoken to, we have had a version of this story, right? Anyone that is interested in their healing and personal development, I think, have reach some pivot point in their own personal development or in their own life. And mine was really in 2016. I mean, prior to that, I was always interested in meditation. I was a yoga instructor as well. So I I considered myself spiritual, but it wasn't until 2016 really when my marriage fell apart, my fashion brand, which I had worked so hard on, went bust and my physical health also deteriorated when I suffered burnout. That was when all the balls that I was juggling started to fall down around me, kind of like Jenga blocks. And when my physical health deteriorated, my business fell apart, my marriage fell apart, my finances, everything as I knew it or as I'd tried to build it dissolved around me. And that was really when I was faced with an option do I continue to live this model that isn't working for me currently, that isn't giving me the results that I want? Or do I try to find a new model? Unfortunately, I thought that I was out of options. And I thought that one of my options here was really to end my life and thank divine timing, divine guidance, guardian angels, whatever you want to call it. I kind of got this feeling, if you will, or the sensation that there's more to life than this. There is another road available. I just haven't figured it out yet. So I can go all in and give it another go. But otherwise, I've got a plan B. And plan B right now doesn't look very appealing, if I'm honest. So that was essentially when I really committed to finding an easier way of being because at that time, everything just felt like hard work. My relationships felt like hard work. My business felt like hard work. Everything, financial management felt like hard work. Friendships felt like hard work. And all around me, I could see other people progressing and other people succeeding And I considered that they weren't working as hard as I was working. And although I was ticking all these boxes, I was a good person. I was hardworking. I was driven. Why wasn't I getting the same easy, seemingly easy results that I could see my friends have around me? And that was when I kind of had to admit that the life formula that I had, this one size fits all formula for success and happiness, didn't fit me. And I was going to give it my all to try and find a new formula. My biggest and scariest first step was hiring a coach because I was broke AF. I was depressed AF. So, you know, I was really just going further into debt, hiring a coach, which was something that was totally new to me because before that I was only ever working with therapists. And for the first time I was like, I'm going to give this coaching thing a go, you know? And it was the best decision of my life because finally, for the first time ever, things started to make sense the way that I felt started to make sense. I wasn't broken. My life model wasn't broken. My belief system, however, did not support my life desires. And the fact that I had gone so far off course that suicide seemed like the only option just shows how disconnected I was from my authentic truth because I didn't know who I was in my relationship, in my business, in my friendships, in my career. Every part of the journey that I was like moving towards 
this formula that I thought I was following, I was actually moving further and further away from me, further and further away from the person that I was born to be because I was trying to fit into you know, this model of a healthy life and a happy life and a happy marriage and a successful business, but it wasn't in alignment with my soul's purpose and my desires. So that's essentially in 2016 when I pivoted, as I like to say, towards Life 2.0 from Life Beta. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing all of that with us and sharing such kind of personal moments and the things that you were moving through. I wonder if you can share a little bit more about your headspace when you really were in that low headspace of thinking there's no way out to, okay. I'm grabbing at some level of hope and I want to turn this around. Can you tell us a little bit more of what that looked like for you? Absolutely. I want to say that there definitely was a flicker of hope and that was really just external hope. External meaning that I could see other people having a happy life having a good successful business. And for me, that was an indication that there is something else out there. But in terms of where my headspace was at, I can honestly say that it was fear, fear, fear. As fearful as I was and as rejected as I felt on a personal and professional level, I was scared of dying. (laughs) Even though that was an option I was considering, my basic instinct, which is everyone's basic instinct, is to stay alive, right? So I think my survival instinct kicked in where otherwise someone who is healthy and sane would not consider that ending their life is an option, right? So I want to say that as depressed as I was, my basic survival instinct overrode my my sadness and my grief and my depression. Mm -hmm. I love, and it resonated with me, what you said about getting inspiration or hope from what you were seeing other people doing. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that kind of practice and being in that headspace can be misunderstood and there's lots of different ways to do it. But Catherine and I talk about this a lot and we say expanders or people who inspire us. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important. And I, I do consider that a part of my own mental health practice, mm-hmm. if you will, or what keeps me motivated and ambitious of seeing people that I admire and look up to, whether that's someone that I don't know at all, who's in the public eye or the friends that I have around me or contacts that I really admire and look up to. And I think that that's an important piece that I think it's overlooked because sometimes we think about it as, well, I'm not, I don't want to compare myself to someone else, but if you're doing it in the right way, I think it can actually be really helpful and motivating. Mm. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I feel like, you know, we do say don't compare and despair, but Seeing what other people are doing is quite aspirational, right? Because it shows you just what's available to you. It shows you what's available out there in the world because your imagination can only stretch as far as what you've done and what you've seen. So if you haven't done it, but you've seen it, then you know that there's the possibility for it to be done. Well, we were talking about before and you you mentioned, you said something about seeing to believe. And I know that you have done work with the subconscious mind and hypnotherapy. You're a certified hypnotherapist. And I wonder, is that part of what leads you to that statement? And can you tell us a little bit more about that from the perspective of how our brains work? Mm. So I am absolutely fascinated with the subconscious mind because the subconscious mind makes up like, I'm going to conservatively say 80%, if not 99% of your stored vibrational energy. And when you have a conscious desire for something, you consciously want to manifest an income, a relationship, a client, whatever that conscious desire is, right? If your subconscious mind has 
an unconscious desire for scarcity, for lack, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to consciously manifest that which you want. If 80% of your stored vibrational energy, that meaning your, your subconscious mind, is actually working against you, is trying to sabotage you. And as long as you keep your subconscious mind in the shadow, it's like you never really heal that subconscious mind. And unconscious desires will never be able to be evolved or changed until they are healed, until they are fulfilled. A desire can only ever be evolved or changed once it's been fulfilled, once you've outgrown it. And as long as you're not working on the subconscious, you're only really scratching the surface of your full potential. Yeah, I love, I'm so fascinated with the subconscious mind. When I first moved to Australia, I, I sought out a hypnotherapist and I just hadn't experienced anything like that before. So I really believe in it and I still do some practices now. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on, like, how does somebody know whether they're being held back by their subconscious mind or their conscious mind? Ah, I love this question. So if you want to know what you unconsciously think about yourself or what you unconsciously believe you deserve, look at your life. Having is evidence of wanting. Therefore, lack and scarcity is also evidence of wanting. So whatever I have or don't have in my life, that's because unconsciously that is what I believe I am worthy of having or not having. And if I'm not happy with the state of my bank account, with the state of my relationship, with the state of my career, whatever I'm unhappy with, having is evidence of wanting. Accept that as a, a truth, a fact, and then start to pull that apart and look at what, what it is that I consciously am getting from this situation or unconsciously am fulfilling in having or not having this situation. Wow. I love that. That's like the quote of the episode, I think maybe. (laughs) And I think that's true. I mean, like, and I also think that like, we sometimes take for granted the things that we are subconsciously or unconsciously bringing into our life that may be great, but they're not like that next thing that we're working toward. And so, you know, even like, you know, we look around now, what are the things that I've manifested into my life or the situations or people? And there can be a lot of great stuff there too. Maybe there's some lack and you need to work on that. But I think that it's interesting to also use that as a, an indicator for yourself that, okay, this is possible. You just have to get in there into that Mm. subconscious to align it with what you then want to. What you consciously want, right? Yeah. Mm. Because essentially what happens, and, and I like to talk a lot about the feminine and the masculine and the cognitive versus the heart. So what your ego does or your subconscious, that is your brain, right? That is the masculine energy. Whereas your higher self, your soul is your heart and that is your feminine energy. And what happens when your masculine and your feminine are not in alignment with each other, there is internal conflict. Mm -hmm. And just like any relationship or any partnership, when the two partners cannot agree on something, then you cannot progress. You cannot move forward. Correct? So when there's an internal conflict, when your subconscious masculine and your, um, your soul, your higher self feminine are not congruent, then it's very difficult for you to consciously create the life of your, your dreams, the business of your dreams, the relationship of your dreams. So ideally what you really want to do is marry your 
subconscious with your higher self, marry your masculine energy with your feminine energy so that they can become a super powerful partnership versus the one trying to sabotage the other one's dreams and desires. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, or can you give us an example of how that might look for someone? Because we love talking about this too, and we love exploring the masculine versus the feminine and that so many of us women are really in our masculine right now these days in the way the world works. But how might that show up for someone if they're trying to understand, am I in my masculine, in my conscious life versus being connected with the feminine energy as well? Mm -hmm. So there are quite a few symptoms, like physical symptoms that you can actually see and identify as me living out of alignment with my natural energy state. And let's first begin with masculine and feminine energy is regardless of gender. Men and women have both, right? It's just that certain types of people, certain types of characters and personalities tend to have more of the one than the other. So you will find that creatives and yes, more women will have more feminine energy. And when I am not working and living and functioning in my feminine energy, I will feel overwhelmed. I will feel tired all the time. I will feel unhappy, angry. I will be easily triggered. And that's because I'm out of alignment with my natural state, which is the flow state, right? And it's not a coincidence that 60% more women than men will suffer from burnout. That's because of living and working in their masculine energy for a very long period of time. So it's okay to dip in and out of your masculine energy when and where you need it, right? There are times when you've got work to do, when you have to deliver a deadline, that you absolutely need to dip into your masculine energy to get things done. The masculine energy is the push. It's the hustle. The feminine energy is the pull. It's the flow. So you can tell already just from pushing to pulling, if you feel like you're pushing and pushing and pushing and hustling to get things done, more than likely you're in your masculine energy. And if that makes you tick and that helps you, then amen, you are on the right path. But if you feel tired, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel exhausted, if you feel like you've got a short temper, it's because you have been in your push energy for too long. And let's not forget, now this is based on genders, the man's or masculine energy resets every 24 hours. So men can work hard, play hard, sleep and wake up the next day and do it all again. (laughs) Women have a month long energy cycle and that is because we menstruate as well. So you need to be really, really conscious of your productivity depending on where you are in your cycle. There are going to be periods where you are a social butterfly, where you are in your masculine energy, when you can go out and network and thrive and rub shoulders. And there are going to be periods where you are less productive, where you're in your winter, um, your, your winter and autumn, and you need to rest and nurture and just recuperate and self-care before you can come out in your spring and summer and do the things that you need to do. So being conscious of your month-long cycle and where you are at in that cycle, trying to arrange and trying to organize your schedule and your work according to the energy that you physically have during that time of the month. If you've been in your masculine energy for too long, there will come a time where you will burn out. And that is where you do not want to be. Because once you've burnt out once, if you haven't properly healed and you've just recovered, you are more than likely to burn out a second and a third time. I love thinking about it in the 28-day or 30-day cycle as well. And that's something that I was really looking into because I had irregular cycles and I read a book about that and how you know men operate on this 24-hour clock and women don't. And we're op- we're trying to operate that way, like wake up at five, do this hard workout, do a meditation, but we're not really meant to be doing that. So when I started listening to that and operating at that 28 day cycle and trying to listen to my body more, it really did help with my Mm -hmm. cycle. So I I totally agree with that. 
Um, what would you say, what would be some ways to get started with balancing out the masculine and feminine energy? Well, number one, check in with yourself. Where are you at? How are you feeling? If I'm feeling overworked and overwhelmed, more than likely I need to give myself permission to ask for and receive help. If I'm not asking for help and I'm not receiving help, then I'm just I'm burning the candles at both ends, right? Mm -hmm. And so many women who are juggling the hat of the mama plus the career woman plus the wife, um, they they tend to fall into the the martyr archetype where they think that they have to be everything and do everything for everyone. So the martyr archetype is the first to burn out. She is the one that is most likely to suffer um, adrenal, adrenal fatigue. And then there is, of course, the victim archetype who is always helpless and hopeless and waiting for someone else to come and save her, right? So where are you at? Uh, the third archetype, the, the third drama archetype is the prosecutor, is the one that is always pointing fingers and blaming other people for why things didn't get done, but never taking responsibility. So depending on what your triggers are and what your traits are, which archetype, which drama archetype you tend to fall into uh, quite quickly when you're triggered, um, that would give you a really, really good indication of overexpressed masculine energy and underexpressed masculine and feminine energy. So when it's overexpressed, I tend to be overly aggressive and assertive. When it's underexpressed, I tend to be a people pleaser. I tend to be someone who fears rejection, someone who is needy. Taking a quick break from our conversation with Anastasia to tell you about our partner, Sakara. I've been obsessed with Sakara for years. Using Sakara products has transformed gut health, skin, inflammation for me in really big ways. When this episode comes out, I'll have just finished doing a level two detox, which is their next level program that helps you understand food sensitivities, reduces inflammation, sheds excess weight in five days. I've never done Saqqara's programs with the goal of weight loss, although that's a lovely side effect. I always have done it because it really helps with feeling sluggish, inflammation, and any issues in the gut. So we don't realize how much inflammation we have in our bodies from regular daily life, stress, the foods that we eat, and how much better we can feel when that is away. So if you want to check out any of Sakara's meal programs, whether you want to start out with their signature meal program, which I do often, or a level two detox, you can use our code XOVIRA, that's X-O-V-I-R-R-A, for 20% off your first order of anything on Sakara. Now back to the show. A few episodes ago, it was 40 something, maybe it was 40 or 39. We interviewed Dr. Lara Bryden. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but she kind of took us through what the hormonal changes in your body are as you go through that, our month long cycle. And I think it could be really interesting to, if anyone hasn't listened to that, check that out. And I think it could be interesting to think about that piece of it in the hormonal cycle and then pair it with some of these questions and ask yourself, okay, now how do I take action on that and really understand what's going on? So I think that that's really interesting. I would love to dig in a little bit more. I know we started talking about it a bit, the subconscious work and hypnotherapy. And I know you also do rapid transformational therapy. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that works and what that looks like for someone? Mm. So rapid transformation therapy is a um, phenomenal modality. It is a hybrid between traditional hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Essentially what mm. it helps you do is um, rapidly drop into the subconscious so that you can identify the root cause and reason for a particular block or a pattern or a habit that you keep replaying that is keeping you stuck and then rewriting that program. So it's 
I kind of like to think about it like um, if you have a computer and it, it keeps doing something, it keeps you know, doing something wrong or, or programs keep shutting down, you need to go back into the operating system, find the bug, debug it and upgrade your operating system. It's exactly what we're doing, but for our subconscious mind. Yeah. What does it look like in practice if someone wanted to think about mm. exploring modality? So it's a really, really great tool to use um, when you've been working on yourself and you keep finding a pattern that keeps coming up. So if you've got a particular block, like you find it really hard to communicate with people or you, you keep dating a certain type of person, it's also really good and, and really useful for addictions as well for weight loss, it really can be used for anything and everything that has manifested physical or metaphysical in your life. If you want to find the root cause of that issue so that you can reprogram it. So I've had clients come to me for, you know, weight loss that, that have been eating healthy, exercising, and for whatever reason, their body just wouldn't shift the weight. It wouldn't let go of the weight. So we went and we went into the subconscious mind and found the reason why their subconscious is holding on to this excess weight. Or even if someone is an emotional eater and you want to identify the cause or the root of your emotional eating, because more than likely that is something that you developed in your formative years, so from zero to seven, and understanding yourself and understanding your triggers and understanding your patterns is 80% of the work. Once you understand why and when and where you developed this habit, this pattern, or manifested this disease or ailment, um, then you can, you can reprogram your mind to release that habit or belief or block and update it, upgrade that internal dialogue. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like reminding yourself that was then, this is now, it's over. Disassociating, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. disassociating from it. It's not about um, letting it go because obviously it served a purpose for X amount of years. It was trying to keep you safe or protect you because that's what your child mind um, kind of accepted as fact that we need to do this in order to stay safe. We need to do this in order to not be rejected. But it's just disassociating your adult self from that version of you that believed all these harmful beliefs and, and lies about the world and about yourself. Mm -hmm. Is there a common theme that comes up when you're working with clients and they come to you and they have this self-limiting belief? So Marissa Pierre, who actually developed this um, methodology, says that it all boils down to three beliefs. Number one, I'm not enough, right? Number two, it's not available to me. Number three, I'm different. Mm. which essentially are all one and the same thing, right? It's me yeah. not being enough, me not being special enough to have whatever it is I, I want to have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or that idea, it's like, well, of course they have it, but I, yeah, yeah. and then whatever the story is. Because I'm different or because it's not available to me because I'm from this background or this uh, gender or this race. Do you think that everyone has reprogramming work to do based on the way that they were raised? I personally believe that from the day that we're born, we are victims of identity theft. Because from the day that you're born, you are told and taught certain things about yourself and about the world. You know, because our parents just passed down the information that they knew, society, teachers, our peers. So I feel like the further and further you got from who you were born to be, the less you know yourself. And therefore, yeah, the more reprogramming you need to do in order to get back to who you were, right? In order to release the identity that's keeping you limited and stuck. And it definitely affects certain people more than it does others. 
but I, I believe that that's everyone's purpose. I think everyone's purpose is, is one and the same. And that is to remember who you were born to be and be that person. That is everyone's purpose. Now, beyond that, what your vision and mission is, is 100% yours to update and upgrade as you evolve and as you grow as a human being. I know you do work in the realm of abundance and you mentioned earlier in the conversation and I kind of took a mental note when you said that one of the things that you noticed was that you're pushing really hard for things to happen and you were noticing that something that was happening around you was that you were seeing that others around you were having what they wanted or having you know that level of dream realized, but they weren't pushing as hard. Can you talk a little bit about how you think about that in your work and that idea? Mm. So what is abundance? What is abundance to you, to me, to everybody? We all have different ideas of what abundance looks like. And the number one thing that comes to mind tends to be money, tends to be financial abundance, right? I always laugh about that because I sometimes think, why aren't we just saying money? Because most people are thinking about money, but it's just, that's just an interesting, that's just a fancy way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like um, the polite way to say money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because I don't want to appear to be materialistic, but that's essentially what I want. Right. Yeah. And money is just an energy. Money is just a tool that allows me to be more of who I am, that allows me to have more of what I have and allows me to give more of what I want to give, right? Yeah. So there is no shame in claiming whatever it is that you want to claim. But for me, abundance is really, what are your juicy, juicy apples? Some of those apples are going to be money. Some of those apples are going to be experiences. Some of those apples are going to be opportunities. Some of those apples are going to be clients, lovers, friends, whatever, Mm. right? So for me, abundance is apples and the juiciest apples grow at the top of the tree. If you're not willing to stretch and you're not willing to expand or climb a ladder to reach those apples, you're only ever going to be able to reach those that are at the bottom of the tree, right? The same apples Mm -hmm. that everybody else can reach, the same apples that are available to everyone. Or if you become really, really lazy or or really, really fearful of even reaching as far as like the apples at the bottom of the tree, you'll start settling for whatever falls off the tree. And the more you settle and settle and settle, the further and further those juicy apples at the top of the tree seem. Mm -hmm. I really like that analogy. Mm -hmm. And it it makes a lot of sense because there does tend to be that baseline that's just like available to everyone. And I think sometimes we convince ourselves that that's okay. And that's great. Like I'm not really fulfilled, but like, look, most other people are fine with it. (laughs) And I think that that this illustrates that a lot. Mm. When we go back to thinking about what we've been talking about with the brain and the subconscious mind, are there ways that you kind of align those two pieces of this idea of like, okay, I know I want to reach consciously what's happening subconsciously or in the brain that helps to inform that or helps to navigate that? Well, The thing that I teach my clients that I always begin all my work with is number one, higher self-connection. If you're not connected to your soul, then you don't really know yourself and you don't really know your full potential. Because if you have a dream, if you have a desire for more, that is your soul trying to communicate with you, trying to show you what your full potential is, what actually is available to you. And if you've accepted it as a dream, then it's almost like you've dismissed your full potential, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're hungry for it, if you really, really crave it and your, your soul does crave expression, it craves creativity. If you don't fulfill that desire, then you're essentially abandoning yourself. And the more you Mm -hmm. abandon yourself, the more familiar that self-abandonment pattern becomes. And this is when I say that I, in 2016, I felt like I'd come so far from who I was meant to be that I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew that it wasn't this. I just knew that this didn't feel right. So I didn't know what the something else was. I just knew that this wasn't it. 
So really mm-hmm. higher self-connection is trying to reintroduce yourself. And when I say yourself, it's to your self, capital S, trying to reintroduce you to who you were born to be, trying to remember who you were born to be and your higher self, your spirit, your soul has its own unique, beautiful language. And when you can become fluent in that language, then you are fluent essentially in the guidance that is always, always available to you in the guidance that is given to you. And when you're fluent, then you learn to trust it. Then you learn to take aligned action. Mm-hmm. What do you think we're all so afraid of in facing or experiencing our unconscious desires? So I feel like there's so there's an element sometimes of, well, like I'm actually afraid of my own potential and what I can be. There definitely is a fear of, oh my God, what would it mean to have a, a successful business? What would it mean to have a man that absolutely adores and admires me, right? Because it's so unfamiliar. And there's also a lot of limiting beliefs around what it will require, right? Because we are taught that you have to make sacrifices. And because we've been taught that there has to be a sacrifice made, what would I have to sacrifice to have a super successful business? What would I have to give up to have a beautiful, amazing family? Would I have to give up my career, which I actually really love and enjoy? Or would I have to give up having a family in order to thrive in my career? So I feel like the unconscious desire here is the sacrifice, the scarcity that I can't have it all. It's either or. So therefore I will sabotage myself so that I don't ever need to make that sacrifice. I think about it sometimes also in the context of separate from sacrifice and scarcity. Sometimes when we are getting into our next level or next iteration of self, you do kind of have like a shedding of some of the things that no longer serve you. And I think that that sometimes can be a little bit of a fear too, because it's kind of like, not necessarily like I can't have it all and sacrifice, but what will I let go of to move to my next phase? I think that that sometimes can be something too. I don't know if you guys ever think about that. Well, actually, a lot of my clients, when they come to me, they, you know, the the ones that are married, they say, what if I outgrow my partner? I'm scared to do this work to grow because I don't want to outgrow my partner. Mm -hmm. And that is really scary. Like, who am I going to leave behind as I grow, as I elevate? And I always, always reassure them that First, your responsibility is 100% to fulfill your purpose, to become the best person that you were born to be. And number two, as you rise, the people around you, yeah, some of them will fall out, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because if anything, you're holding the space for those that are willing and ready to rise with you and grow with you. And particularly when it comes to family, When I heal, my world changes. When we heal collectively, then our world changes. So when I start Mm -hmm. to heal and grow, it's almost as if it's by osmosis. The people that are closest to us will have to learn to adjust and they do learn to adjust to this new vibration of you. And they will grow, maybe not at the same pace, but they will grow almost simply by being around the new you and interacting with the new you because you interact in a new way and you hold the space in a new way. I love that. I felt like that before too. Like I've actually felt like, oh, well, what, you know, what if, you know, my friends don't want to be around me anymore? They don't grow at the same rate. I've definitely Mm -hmm. felt that before. And what I've found is the more work that I do for myself, the better I show up and actually my, all of my relationships improve because I'm coming, I'm showing up in a, in a much better way with better energy. So mm. I think, you know, of course it, there will be some, but at, when at the time that you grow, you don't really care about that anymore. Mm. And the ones that are meant to stay will. So that was really relatable to me. There's one question that we ask all of our guests, the podcast is called this life explains it all. So The question is, what life experience has been your greatest teacher? My divorce. (laughs) My divorce. 
showed me so much about myself that I needed to heal and grow and yeah, take responsibility for. Obviously at the time, I didn't see it that way. I was very, very much in my victim archetype. I was very much feeling rejected and it hurts. It hurt because it hurt my ego to be rejected, but in hindsight and the shorter your hindsight windows, the quicker you level up, the quicker you expand, the quicker Mm. you get to that next level. In hindsight, it was the biggest blessing of my life because it really forced me to hold myself accountable and responsible and to finally start to make decisions from a place of responsibility and not from a place of helplessness and hopelessness. So... Wow. I mean, I now can say that I thank God for that lesson. At the time, I couldn't see the lesson beyond the pain. Thank you for sharing that with us and so much and being so vulnerable about your story. If someone is interested in learning more about you or working with you, where's the best place for them to go? How can they do that? Definitely on Instagram. I'm super active on Instagram at Art of Aligned Living. My website again is www.artofalignedliving. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interactive on social media. So that's where you will find my videos, my posts, my content that I create, all about personal development, growth, healing, 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 because I'm all about that healing in order to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation, a fun conversation talking to you too. Mm-hmm. All right, there you have it. I really love all the things that we talked about in this conversation from the subconscious to the masculine feminine. There's a couple of things she said around seeing to believe that I'm such a big believer of. I love how she shares her story and how vulnerable she is in the conversation. So we hope that you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you do any work with the subconscious mind and what shifts for you. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Vera Life and you can always reach out to us on email at vera at veralife.com. I'm Catherine Griffiths based in Sydney, Australia. And I'm Stefania Romeo in Santa Monica, California. Until next time. Bye. Ciao. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.